2: And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala.
3: Thursday. Yeah, baby. Been a great week so far. Thank God. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're happy. Warm today. I mean, two days ago, it's in the 20s. I'm freezing. I'm wearing my hottest, the warmest hat I have. And today I eschewed outerwear. How lucky am I? Um... You know, uh, my friends and family who listen to this show, uh, they said, listen, you got to stay on the crime thing because that's all we're reading about. So I took a little field trip today and I'm in a very special place. I am actually in the county of Nassau at Gerstmann Schwartz Molito—that yeah. That is a law firm and yeah. got them a uh, government relations and communications here in, uh, in, on Franklin Avenue in uh, Garden City, uh, Long Island. And why am I here? I'm here for a couple of reasons. But the primary one is uh, a young man, well, he's not so young anymore because he's my age, who I worked with in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, has uh, grown one of the literally uh, most powerful lobbying firms in the state of New York. And when we're talking about crime and mothers whose children have been killed begging uh, Mayor Adams to fix this city, when we're talking about pizzeria owners fighting off the robbers, when we're talking about a guy in, in, in McDonald's at 7.45 in the morning getting his breakfast before he goes to work, a hardworking guy getting beat up in McDonald's, nose broken, stitches across his whole face, the total disfigurement for the, for the rest of his life. Everyone keeps talking about bail reform, bail reform, bail reform. Look, I, even though I'm in the courthouse all the time, even though I see the thing, these things happening all the time, I will tell you this. If you look at the controller, Brad, what's his name? Land, Brad Lander. Brad Lander's uh, most recent report. Now, he's only been in office 90 days as well. But they're showing that the bail reform is not having the impact that we think it does based on recidivism. Who's getting out of on bail and doing things again? But as we spoke about yesterday, it only takes a small percentage to ruin it for everybody. So, in other words, 95% of the people... Who are beneficiaries from the bail reform uh, maybe may be doing the right thing and, and coming back to court and facing the charges and not committing new crimes and then there 's that five percent that we read about that five percent where people are getting hurt you 're getting robbed they're getting cut or getting sexually assaulted or getting sexually abused that 's the one that 's the five percent that 's ruining it for everyone else, but you know what happens you know what happens when when those 5% ruin it for the other 95%. The whole 95% suffers. And you could look at that and I, obviously I harp on the Italian American community because that's my community. So you look at that small percent of Italian Americans that are in organized crime, and yet they are all Italian Americans are targeted by the Waterfront Commission, by the Business Integrity Commission, by Bill Clinton, who was caught on tape saying Mario Cuomo could never be president of the United States because he's a mafioso. So there's a tiny fraction that ruins it for everybody else. So and and I, as we've always said on this show, it sets a tone. It sets a tone uh, of, of, of um, let's see, when you're allowed to break the law, uh, when you're allowed to jump the turnstile. I told you last week, I went to go get toothpaste in my town, my little neighborhood of Bay Ridge, and, uh, and the Rite Aid, and the toothpaste is locked up. It's locked up behind. A, and, and the guy says, yeah, the shoplifters come in in Bay Ridge. The shoplifters come in and take it. We call the 6A Precinct. They're there in no time. They arrest them. If the shoplifters aren't there the next day, they the there the, the, the day after. I mean, that is unacceptable. That's the bottom line. So how do we change it? How do we fix it? So Why am I here? Why did I come out to Long Island to, to sit with David Schwartz? And thanks to Matt Sambolant, who... Hooked me up and, and and Andy at at the station to to make me portable and I figured out all this electronic stuff on my on my own. I wanted to sit with David Schwartz because I said, "Who do I know who, by the way, knows how to handle a microphone very well who could explain to us uh, about the budget process? Because the budget is, is got is being it's supposed to be ratified by tomorrow night. They've already announced that's not happening." So I'm going to turn the microphone over to David Schwartz, and he's going to tell us a little bit about Albany. Because, you know, we talk a lot about the city of New York here, but I want to talk about the state of New York because they're the ones that have the control. The city council can't change the bail laws. The the, the mayor can't change the bail laws. It's the governor and the legislature. So, David, just start off. By first of all,
1: explaining to people what is a lobbyist and what does well, a lobbyist I, do. First of all, Artie, I thought I was your cameraman for this entire show. It's a pleasure let me tell you, it's a pleasure to have Arthur Idala here at the Long Island offices of Gotham Government Relations. They're actually the Long Island Garden City office of Arthur Idala, of course. But let me tell you something. You know, we got into this lobbying game. I'm a very unusual person. We um we got into this lobbying game where I was a lawyer with Artie in the Brooklyn DA's office, and we we sort of morphed into this lobbying. And what's lobbying? Lobbying is everything, everything that you want to affect your government. So when you are an advocate to your government, and this is where a lot of lawyers get into trouble, because lawyers are used to being advocates in the court of law. There's the court of law, there's the court of public opinion, but then there's the court of the legislature and a lot of people don't realize that when you morph into the court of the legislature and the executive branch of government you are lobbying you are conducting a lobbying act where you try to affect that legislators that elected official and that unelected official right because there's a lot of agency people out there too you're trying to affect their decision-making process in, in creating laws, creating a budget. Okay,
3: so so would you say the way I go in front of a judge in a federal case, yep. and I'm advocating for my client, to, and I'm trying to persuade the judge to sentence him to the lowest possible sentence that's possible, and, and so I'm basically under those circumstances, I'm lobbying for an individual, which is not a regulated uh, situation. Your situation when you're lobby- lobbying agencies or government officials
1: that is very regulated correct sure so well you're regulated in a different way and I do what you do too that's why people don't understand what does lobbying and litigation have to do with one another how could you be a lobbyist and a litigator of course you can already because it's all about advocacy it's about advocacy for the client so whether you are in the court of law or you are in the court of the legislature you are advocating for that client and that's what we do already as lawyers that's what you do every day in court and and it is regulated in a different way obviously in court you're highly regulated you're bound by you know a, the the CPL you're bound by a, a whole host of statutes ethical rules. ethical rules all a whole host of rules so you are you are but you know wearing that lawyer cap does allow you to not be regulated by the lobbying laws, well, you have by to, the, you
3: have to fill out forms.
1: We have to come. fill it. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. So we have to fill out forms and I like to fill out the forms because anything that even touches on lobbying, we fill out the forms. We, it's called registering. All right. Registering with New York state, we register with New York city. And really I, I love to do that because you, basically what you're doing is you're telling the world, that David Schwartz, Gotham Government Relations, represents this client. So,
3: give me one example of a case that you've worked on as a lobbyist and who you met with to try to convince them to pass a certain bill or change a
1: certain oh. law. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we represent several different industries. We represent uh, the beer industry, we represent special needs schools. I'll, I'll tell you about our special needs schools. Um, you know, we have special needs school where, where uh, a number of years this this is already over. We won this battle already. But New York State was trying to block the number of kids that could register in this wonderful school that that has you know children with autism and 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 and. You know, all, all types of kids they take and they they want to take more and more kids because they can handle more and more kids rather than shipping the kids out to other states. They were taking the kids in. They were being blocked by state ed. So it was a battle between state ed and this is where lobbying and law come together, actually, because they were in a seven year lawsuit with the state of New York. We came in as lobbyists. Within six months, we found our political champions, right? We went around to each, to members of the assembly, members of the Senate, and we found our political champions that were going to stand up for the school, and we let them take the ball, and we ended up winning the day. The lawsuit was over. We got a universal settlement, and that was a wonderful lobbying um, um, campaign where we used the legislature we used uh, our, you know, lots of meetings with state ed, but we had to register for that special needs school, and that special needs school was also litigating at the same time. So that, that that's an example. I don't want to get too far into other oh, issues, but but all uh, right. So here's the deal. Forward. We yeah.
3: are going to uh, we're going to have a quick break, okay. but we're going to come back with David Schwartz, who's a lobbyist, who's an attorney, who's been literally in and out of the the halls of the Capitol in Albany like it's uh, his own living room, and. Uh, He's going to explain to us just a little bit about the budget because the state budget is coming up. It's a huge piece of the puzzle of bail reform, and now there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Buffalo Bills uh, stadium. The, the governor wants to give the Buffalo Bills, where well, she's from Buffalo, a tremendous amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars to, new, to build a new stadium. And people are just looking at it. It would be the most expensive stadium, I think. No, it would be the, the governor giving them The state giving the most money to any professional sports stadium. So David's going to explain a little of that to us, but it all comes down to bail reform. That's what we're going to talk about. I used to have a lot of reptiles. I had turtles. I had snakes. But the people who I really hung out with were Humans and all the humans around me luckily uh, right now anyway are young and healthy and vital and they're like I you know wh- what do I need to go have a, a health proxy for I'm fine why do I need to uh, have a power of attorney I'm, I'm not going to need that I'll just sign my own legal documents. Huh. Yeah my buddy Lawrence who's in, the, uh, who hasn't been in work in a month more, more than that because he got hit by a car said the same thing Imran who almost got hit by a car said the same thing so the time is now. Call our friends at Connors and Sullivan and make an appointment to go in to sit with an attorney, a real live attorney. These folks know what they're doing. They've been doing it for 40 years. They've helped thousands of people. They will make sure that the courts don't make decisions for you. They will make sure that doctors don't make decisions for you if you're unable to act yourself. You can appoint a a person to be your power of attorney if you're incapacitated, And you can appoint someone to speak to the doctors and make medical decisions on your behalf if you're incapacitated. So it's very easy. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. You'll get a free in-person consultation with a lawyer. Connors and Sullivan. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You will designate who you want to make decisions for you.
0: Eight eight. Well, on Ooh, on to the
3: That's a good one, and keep it going. Fish Wrong with that? Oh, a spin off from what I consider the greatest show of all time, All in the Family. One of the many spin offs. I think Maud was a spin off. Um, definitely the Jeffersons with the spin off. Am I forgetting anything else off of All in the Family? I mean, there was Archie's Place. That was after Edith died, and yet, you know, never achieved the greatness of Meathead and Gloria and Archie and Edith. I mean, yeah, and here's why you know it's a spectacular show. Just put it on now. Put any one of those episodes from 1972, 73, 74, put it on now. And as I said over and over again, I just remember my dad watching the reruns at 10, 11 o'clock at night, whatever, it was Channel 5, I think, just smacking the table, screaming in laughter. But uh, what what? is not a laughing matter is the 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 crime that's going on in new york and the frustration that the mayor feels uh and the frustration that we all feel as new yorkers you know we we are so we live in a generation of instant gratification when rudy giuliani came into office as my friend christine grillo said the other day it, it didn't happen overnight that crime just disappeared it's like oh here's the former u.s attorney of the southern district all criminals run like rats off a sinking ship It took a year. He changed the uniforms of the police officers. He changed their weapons. He changed the colors of their car. He gave them better equipment. Uh, He didn't give them a raise, and people forgot they were really ticked off about that. But, yes, by 95, 96, 97, things got better. And you know what? Dave Schwartz is sitting next to me, a colleague from the Brooklyn DA's office and myself. We take... Uh, uh, we take credit for 0.0001% of that because we were in the DA's office in 93, 94, 95, 96, 97 when, when crime was plummeting. We were trying case after case after case, banging them out. But it still took time. But you know what didn't exist in 1993 and 94? The Internet. You know what didn't exist? The iPhone. You know what didn't exist? Instant gratification. You want to watch a TV show? I'll watch any TV show whenever I want, however I want, wherever I want, because I can watch it on my phone or on my laptop, on my home thing, and I just go on Netflix or I go on this website or this streaming app, and I get so get what I want. I get what I want. Fast, fast, fast. Amazon, I want, this, I want it done tomorrow, tomorrow. So we live in this world where you get everything immediately, but that's not how it works with crime. It doesn't happen that Eric Adams gets sworn in on January 1st and all of a sudden, oh, we got a new mayor, crime disappears. You know, there are some things when the president of the United States gets sworn in and then he goes into the Capitol for that lunch and he signs those executive orders. Yes, there are certain things that can change like that. Crime, folks, is not one of them. So there is a degree of patience. That needs to be had. Now, of course, they'll be like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, Idala. You didn't get robbed on the train. You didn't get your face cut. You didn't get your pizzeria robbed. And you and your father are fighting for your lives. I get it. I got an email today from one of the, the people in my office who I... He's one of the greatest guys and a dear friend of mine. And he's like, Artie, can you do me a favor? Can we talk to security? Cause as I was walking into the building today on the corner of 45th and fifth, right? And we are three blocks from times square, three blocks from Rockefeller center. Talking about being in the middle of the world. And he's like some homeless guy basically accosted me. I was able to get into the building before he get there. Can we get security in front of the building? And I certainly pay enough rent and we do certainly pay enough rent. So, People are focused on whether rightly or wrongly so bail reform, bail reform, bail reform. So let's talk to attorney and lobbyist Dave Schwartz, and let's talk about how bail reform, how this can take place now in the middle of the New
1: York City, New York State budget process. Well, I mean, there's so much to unpack there already. You're the only one that could go from All in the Family to bail reform <laughs> was the, to the Brooklyn uh, the Jeffersons. You know, you know, and and it's a real shame I mean, talking about All in the Family you know, they can never make a show like that anymore. I mean, we live in such a politically, you know, correct environment. Everything has to be perfectly politically correct or else someone's feelings are going to be hurt and you can never make a show like that ever again. I love those days back in the 90s. And you're right, you know, you, you... It moves slow. Giuliani didn't just take office and then crime turned around. It, It takes a long time. And by the same token, it took a long time for Mayor de Blasio... To mess up this entire city, which he did, because if you remember under Mayor de Blasio, we had some of our lowest crimes. But the ingredients already, the ingredients were being put into that pot and they were stirring and stirring and stirring. And it was just a matter of time. So this city really um, blew up with crime. And, a shame. and you can't
3: you can't discount the covid factor or
1: the George Floyd factor. Right. I mean, the
3: the city blew up during that. So now just dig a little deeper. though. Tell me about Albany. Tell me about the the budget process and tell me about how if Governor Hochul really wants bail reform, because she does, because our friend Tom Swazi is pushing, pushing, pushing in his governmental is his his race for governor that, you know, if I was the governor, I would use all
1: my budgetary powers to force the legislature's into approving bail reform. And that's exactly what she, what Governor Hochul is actually doing. So the governor in the state of New York has tremendous power. She has tremendous power, especially over the budget process. And the way to get things done in New York, if you really want to get something done, you get it done through the budget process. Okay, because the bottom line is no matter how against something uh, people are, and, of course, members of the legislature, members of the Senate, the assembly, they would never pass bail ref- a new bail reform, all right? It just would never happen. The only way Governor Hochul is going to get this done, or whoever the governor is in the future will get it done, is through the budget process. Because what are the choices already? What are the choices for the individual senator, the individual assembly uh, person? The choice is either pass the budget or pass a budget extender, which I'll get into, or shut down the entire state of New York nobody's gonna shut down the entire state of new york over any issue that's in the budget so i've seen this play out so many times so what's gonna happen is they're gonna fight they're gonna fight they're gonna fight and what the governor could do is she could pass her entire budget like our dear friend david patterson did through budget extenders where every week there's a new budget extender covering a different portion of the budget okay but the bottom line is guess what those assembly members those senators they don't get their paychecks if they don't pass either an extension or a budget and they're not looking to take their paychecks out of their pockets no judges will get paid nobody will get paid in the state of new york it'll all shut down so nobody wants to do that no one has no one has the gumption to do that so take out your take out your um your crystal ball yep. And now tell us, what's
3: going to happen? Today's Thursday. The budget's supposed to be past Friday. They're, They're already in recess until Monday. Just walk us through a New Yorker like myself who doesn't really know the process. Walk us through what the logistics well, of this and uh, like are there phone calls behind the scene Are
1: there meetings yeah, yeah so most most of your audience probably thinks that we live in a democracy and we really don't okay we've got sixty three senators we've got a hundred fifty assembly members and hardly any of them have anything to do with the budget process so of course well, that, three,
3: that goes back to what used to be three men in a room but now men, it's two women it's and, two men two men and a man
1: three people in a room right, right. now you've got carl hasty who's the um, who who's the speaker of the assembly You've got Andrea Stewart-Cousins from the uh, New York State Senate, and you have Governor Hochul. And it's basically three people in the room that are going to decide on this massive, massive you know, I don't even know what the budget is these days, the number, but it was used to be $140 billion. Now it's probably $200 billion. I mean, who knows? The numbers are so astronomical. So in that budget, there's going to be a, a lot of things affecting health care, affecting education. It's supposed to be a budget. And there's this philosophical debate that goes on whether or not a budget should be limited to just what impacts the state of New York financially and fiscally or do you put all these other issues in there and that's what bail reform is it's this other issue that she knows she can't get past and look that, you know most most of us probably feel the pendulum has to swing back a little bit okay because of course like anything else in government they went too far there were unintended consequences and so obviously you know at least in my opinion I know the opinion of many a lot of people disagree that you have to give judges the discretion okay whether or not you agree with them or not, look, we gotta, we got to put good judges on the bench, okay? That's another issue. we got to put good judges on the bench. But we gotta, that's what they're there for. you got to give them discretion over any particular case to set bail uh, the way they, they see fit. In certain cases, that deserve it. So, look, that's, that's the big issue. She's got ten points in that budget. Well, right now, now there's another big
3: issue. Yeah. This Buffalo Bills yeah. stadium so she wants to give, I think it's eight hundred million of the one point two billion dollars for this stadium. Uh, it would be the biggest, uh, the biggest pro stadium in any sport, given the most subsidy by the
1: government. What say, Dave yeah, Schwartz? What well, say, Dave Schwartz? Is uh, it was the L.A. the Las Vegas Raiders, but at least they have a ninety thousand seat stadium. They have a beautiful roof over. I was looking at this stadium. It's going to be a 60,000-seat stadium with no roof. You can't even get have a Super Bowl there. In, but, but, in, bu- in, in Buffalo. In, in, in Buffalo, which is part of the aura of Buffalo. You want to see them playing in the snow, in the five-degree weather. So that is part of the aura of Buffalo. But what, say me, is um, it's going to be $600 million from the state, $250 million from Erie County, and then the rest is, is privately funded. Look, I, I, I'm all for stadiums. I'm all for football stadiums. I think it's the heart and soul of Buffalo. Who could ever imagine Buffalo without the Buffalo Bills? I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know too much about Buffalo. I've been there a number of times. I, I you know, I, obviously, I think it's important. Look, it's all how we value how we spend our money. The good news about the stadium is it's going to bring in revenue. It's going to bring in money. And then you got 500 million dollars of private money being put in there. So it's not just the glasses have. You got to look at what's, you know, glasses have full sometimes. Ladies and, and gentlemen, 10, you heard
3: it from David 000. Schwartz, Gotham Government Relations. Learn to fly again, learn to live so free. Well, you know, I always tell you that uh, people who listen to this show knows, knows that there are a lot of lawyers who listen to it. Well, we just had on David Schwartz, who's a, one of the most prestigious lawyers in the, in the state. I mean, he would prefer me to say the nation, but I'm going to limit it to the state. But the people at Empire State Bank know that many of my friends and family and people around me are in the business of law. And one of the things, one of the obligations we have is a, what's called a fiduciary responsibility. That means when we get... Other people's money. That's not our legal fee. We're just holding it in an escrow account. We have to take extra precaution to make sure that it is safe. Another thing we can't do is intermingle it with any other funds uh, that are not allowed to have in, like, in our operating account. So, I Empire State Bank. They figured out this program. It's called the Attorney Advantage Banking Program, and it's a specialized banking program to meet those challenges uh, imposed on us by the rules of ethics to keep the money separate. So what they do is you get one master checking account with unlimited sub accounts for each client. So none of the money gets mixed up. You're able to keep the client funds separate from your own and that is essential, you have to do that. You can allocate account interest, generate reports, disperse funds, generate year end tax preparation and your funds are safe. You know why? Because at Empire State Bank, they give you FDIC insurance greater than the 250,000 offered by other banks. So open an IOLA account, today and take your law firm to the next level with attorney advantage banking exclusively at empire state bank they have locations in brooklyn staten island and queens and if you want they'll even come to you call empire state bank today at 833-393-7700 833-393-7700 visit esbna.com esbna.com member fdic equal housing lender
4: Hey, AM 970, the answer 7 o'clock tonight. It is legal night, and that means Imran Ansari, court journalism superstar, and Kevin McCullough, yours truly, will be breaking down the biggest legal cases in the nation today. Join us tonight at 7. Have you ever had a legal question about elder law or state law? Every Wednesday night during Kevin McCullough's show, you'll hear from Mike Connors himself of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at
3: Law, answering real listener questions. Simply email that question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call Mike's office at 718-238-6500,
4: 718-238-6500. And don't forget to tune in to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. on AM 970, The Answer, and Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570, The Mission. Listen
2: this Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon for the Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman Springtime Special. Right now, email your questions about real estate to dotty at dottieherman.com, And listen this Saturday morning to hear the answer on The Answer.
0: That's dotty at dottieherman.com. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer.
4: We have cloudy skies, still very windy at 65 degrees in midtown Manhattan. What's going on? We have the answer. With a push to fast-track New York City area casinos by Friday's budget deadline, high rollers could be headed into Manhattan. Mayor Adams wants at least two gaming licenses for the city to boost the slumping economy. Currently, the odds are on sites at Aqueduct Racetrack and Yonkers Resorts World, with officials also evaluating other possible locales. Reports say there's potential for a casino atop Saks Fifth Avenue, along with a Hard Rock Casino in Times Square, as well as a site near the Water Club in Kips Bay. The MTA is agreeing to install more cameras at several subway stations in a crime-fighting effort. The agency approved a $50 million deal that would place the cameras near turnstiles at 88 subway stations. Officials say the NYPD and MTA managers will be able to monitor the devices remotely. Cameras are not currently connected to MTA command centers. And firefighters in New Rochelle have spent most of the day battling a blaze in a downtown commercial building. The fire broke out just before 7 o'clock this morning in a two-story building that houses offices on Hamilton Avenue. There's no word of injuries. Firefighters are unsure of what ignited the blaze. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson, back to New Jersey at the Holland Tunnel, a 15-20 to 20 minute wait, 10-15 to 15 on the city-bound side. That'll be from both approaches. Lincoln Tunnel, 15 on the inbound side, 15 on the outbound side. About 20 minutes for the inbound side of the George Washington Bridge. That's for both the upper and the lower roadways. Lower level, though, once you get onto the span, looks like a little bit more user-friendly. If you're trying to get to the outbound GW Bridge, northbound west side highway slow from the 80s on up. FDR generally heavy from the 59th Street Bridge up to the Triborough, then more delays from the 150s to the GWB. Showers and thunderstorms, high winds, torrential downpours all in play tonight. Low 53, partly sunny, breezy tomorrow, high 58. And the first half of the weekend looks nice. Saturday, sunshine, high 54. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer.
2: We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala.
3: Well, first of all, I want to thank David Schwartz from Gotham Government Relations, Uh, and he dragged me out here to Long Island to do that interview with him. But for me, it was well worthwhile. I, I feel enriched and educated. But I will tell you, on Saturday mornings for so long now, Uh, When I get up uh, because I try to sleep a little later on Saturday mornings or I look at my little machine there in the bathroom and I say, hey, Google, put on AM 970, the answer. And that's when I hear I on real estate with Dottie Herman. And we are so lucky because Dottie cleared her schedule. And believe me, it is a a difficult schedule to clear to be on the air with us today. Dottie Herman, it's Arthur Idala. How are you?
5: Oh, Arthur, I'm great, and actually, I am. Actually, I'm in Florida. I took a week off to come here, and you know, with work at home now, you can kind of do things from everywhere. And I am telling you, if you think New York is crazy, the real estate in Florida is, I think, worse. It's Even nuts. more
3: crazy. Well, let me just start yeah. off by saying um, I was fortunate enough a few years ago. Um. To I I saw this woman. I was like, wow, that's a beautiful lady. She's very attractive. And someone said, do you know who that is? I was like, no. She was walking out of the dining room. I was like, no. They're like, that's Dottie Herman. I was like, really? And I went over. I introduced myself to you because I had been listening to you on the radio. But I didn't know who you were. And you were as charming as ever. And no wonder why you – you went from being just a, a kid who went to Adelphi here in Long Island, where I am. Right? I'm very close to Adelphi right now. I'm in Garden City, uh, Long Island, where I'm broadcasting from. Um, and, um, the, I mean, you are the ultimate success story uh, in New York City, and you should be really a role model for all all people, not just women, but but all people who you show the, the tenacity, uh, the hard work, the combination of – uh, of your charm and your intelligence and your knowledge of the industry has really you know taken you to the heights i mean the heights of success in the world of real estate and our listeners here at a m nine seven the answer are so lucky to hear from you on Saturday mornings and when you jump on other shows and I really appreciate you being on with us because Real estate is such an essential part of New York city uh, of the United States of America, but particularly in New York and our recovery after the COVID uh, pandemic. So Dottie, why don't you just just take us through right now? Let's talk about Manhattan if we could, because that is the the central part of the the conversation here. What's going on with the world of real estate in Manhattan? You know what, Arthur?
5: It's, off the wall. I mean, it is so busy. There's, well, there's a shortage of inventory everywhere. Okay. I mean, there's no place that I know of in the United States where there's a shortage of inventory. And the millennials that are buying age all believe in buying. And whether it's a rental you're looking for or a property, there's no inventory. And it is kind of crazy. Like there'll be 15 offers. On something.
3: So let's the wait. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper, though, Donnie. Why is there no inventory?
5: Well, there's people because first of all, there the millennials is the constitutes the largest group of of, 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 of buyers um, because and the oldest millennials are probably close to forty. The youngest are somewhere in their late twenties, and they're a buying age. And of course, you know when you're young. You know, a perfect thing is you move to the city, you have your fun, then you get married, then you have kids, and then you either move to the suburbs or move to a bigger property. And as far as Manhattan goes, as you know, I think properties that are big are hard to get. So when we first hit the pandemic, and everybody fled from Manhattan, because if we go back, Manhattan got hit pretty hard during the pandemic, and the rules were pretty strict, and anybody... Like, all the kids that had parents that lived somewhere else, you know, went back to their parents' house. And if people had second homes where they could live. So the city was virtually isolated last year. And I, you know, I would go back to the city and I really, I thought I was looking at an old episode of The Twilight Zone. Believe me. There were no cars. (laughs) I was there. you You were there. So then you know. I mean, it was, like, so weird. There was, like, no cars. There was no people. It was just, and I said to myself, you know, I lived through 9-11. And with 9-11, obviously, everyone said nobody will ever buy a tall building again and nobody will ever live downtown. and Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> look wrong. at downtown now. Okay, totally wrong. And the higher the floor, the more money it is. So they were wrong about that. And then when the pandemic hit, and of course, we in New York City got hit pretty hard, and we were, you know, I think we were first to get hit. Um, people said the same thing, and I would say on the show to my friends: never bet against New York, you will lose.
3: I'm with you on that. Let me ask you something, daddy Since I'm, I'm in Garden City um, uh, today. Let's talk about the Hamptons for a second, because that's a that's a kind of a piece of uh, the, a big piece of the economy. What's going on in the Hamptons in terms of sales and rentals, et cetera, et cetera. Because I will tell you, my my uh, the place I go to in East Quag to get food, uh, which is Sonny's, known as Prime Meats, well, it's Prime Meats known as the Sonny's, he told me that in April of 2020. So right two months into the pandemic, he made more money than he did in August of 2019 because all the restaurants were closed and so everyone had was cooking at home and everybody went from, you know, uh, being in there cooped up in their apartment out East. What effect did that have on the, on the uh, uh, the sales uh, out in the Hamptons and the rental market out in the Hamptons?
5: Well, you know, I have a house. I think we've come from similar paths. I grew up right around garden city and I went to Adelphi and I'm on the board of Adelphi now and I do have a house in the Hamptons. It was my dream to one day have a house in the Hamptons. And uh, all I can tell you is I have been in the business a long time. I've never seen anything like what I've seen then, and especially during the pandemic. People came out in droves. There were no rentals. Um, there, You know, there, people, you know, they were just, like, so busy. And I was really lucky. I spent... Uh, a lot of the beginnings of the pandemic in the Hamptons. And I was fortunate to have everybody I know, a lot of my friends, everybody was out there if they had a place upstate, if they had a place in the Hamptons. The prices probably pre-pandemic, whether it be in the city or the Hamptons, probably had re- reached like a high point. And they were kind of just like steady, but rising. Then the pandemic hit. And I I think nobody knew what to do. Everyone fled. Uh, The Hamptons benefited that. The North Fork, the Hamptons, places upstate. Uh, The Hamptons is untouchable. I have to tell you, I bought a home. and, And when I bought my home in the Hamptons, believe me, I didn't have anything. I was just starting out my career. But I always had this dream of buying a house in the Hamptons. And... My account said you can spend four hundred and no more than four hundred. So I looked and looked and looked, but you know, I'm a location buyer. So I ended up seeing this brand new house. It was a spec house. And when I say a spec house, for anyone who doesn't understand, those are already pre built. They're new, but they definitely don't usually have, you know, like very high quality finishes. But it was new and it was beautiful and it was in Southampton. It was not that far from the ocean. You know what I bought it for? Six twenty-five. Six twenty-five. people said to me, "What are you crazy? Spending six twenty-five? Who do you think you are?" And I said, in my mind, I calculated. Well, I could probably rent it for maybe forty thousand a month if I had to. And you know what? I can't tell you people. People move out. People that live in the Hamptons all all year move out in the summer, many of them, and rent their houses and move to something very small or travel, okay, because they make more money in renting their houses up than they could in working.
3: Yeah, the Hamptons
5: well, is just crazy.
3: So uh, um,
5: and, Dottie, I know, and, I know and you've got to go. I want to talk
3: about your show. I want to talk about what you're doing on Saturday. You're, you're going to be on uh, this Saturday morning for three hours, with a legend yes. of the radio, Michael Harrison, who is uh, yes. the man behind Talkers Magazine, and, and he's no stranger to the microphone. He's no stranger to me now because he just did an interview with me, and I believe right now I'm on the cover of his uh, periodical. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit about you know what you're doing Saturday morning.
5: Well, I consider real estate the universal language. I mean, sometimes I have to just run away from people because there isn't anyone who doesn't want to know about real estate. And we're really in very uncertain times now. The world is, you know, not in the greatest place. And we are expecting, We, I think we had our first interest rate hike already. Um, and I, I believe they expect five more. I think the next one in March. So people are saying, well, Donnie, what should I do? Should I wait? Should I buy? Should I wait a year or two? Well, first of all, you've been around like me. So when I hear that the rates are going, I mean, last year you could get rates at like two and a half a little under the three, you know, they'll probably go up to about five. But to me, that's low. I bought my first house. Right. I, I, rem- I took a five-year adjustable with 15% interest rate. I know.
3: Well, my parents bought took- in the 70s. That's what it was. It was in that, that, that price range. Well, Doddy, before, before we get cut off, I just want to encourage everyone, if you want to learn about real estate, if you have questions and you want to call in, uh, it, it just... Put it on. You are going to end that show and feel so enriched. And it'll be entertaining because, as you guys can hear, Dottie Herman knows how to keep people uh, entertained with her knowledge, her charm. And even though it's on the radio, her good looks. Dottie, thank Uh, you so much for finding the time to jump on with us. I really, really appreciate it.
5: Thank you. Have a great weekend.
3: All right. Folks, don't forget this Saturday, 9 a.m., say, uh, Alexa, put on AM 970 the answer, and you're gonna be your socks will be knocked off by all you learn about the world of real estate. Mom,
2: she's so house proud. Nothing
0: ever slows her down, and a
2: The Arthur Idalla Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788.
5: Okay, girls, ready to go? Yeah! Yeah. Mom, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? Me too, Mommy. You want a snack? Yeah! Is that it?
6: Children learn from our behaviors.
5: Mommy, can you open this, All right, hold on one second. Okay. They learn
6: what is okay from the adults they see. Mommy, are you on your phone? If you're a distracted driver,
4: (gasps) chances are they will be too. What kind of driver are you raising? Funded by the Governor's Traffic Safety Committee.
2: Chances are your home financing questions won't end when this show does. So the next time you have a question about home loans, ask the lending experts at Citizens Bank. They can help you every step of the way during the home buying process, starting with getting a pre-approval before you start shopping for a new home. Call 212-857-6668. 212-857-6668. And ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered in a Originated by Citizens Bank NA NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender.
6: First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest-rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000.
0: Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer.
3: founder of ACDC. He is 67 years old today. I am in David Schwartz office here in Garden City and I'm looking up at the wall and there's a very p- a young David Schwartz pictured with Al Gore uh, that, next to a picture of David Schwartz with, with President uh, Clinton. But Al Gore in that picture, oh boy, he's got to be in his 40s. Um, but today, he's 74 years old. Al Gore, the man who discovered the internet, is 74 years old. Rhea Perlman, the actress from Cheers, uh, and wife to, who's who's our husband there, Sam Bolin? I'm going to say, I believe it's um, Danny DeVito. You are correct. Louis from che- Louis from Taxi. Um, 74 years old. And take a guess where she's born. The Great Borough of, come on, Sam Bolino, it's for you. Wrestling! Nice! Very good. I'm sorry I I shouldn't have jumped on you with that. Now, another guy whose birthday is today, he's 79. Oh, my God. And, you know, we've been talking about Bruce Willis and the tragedy of Bruce Willis' debilitating disease. We had Dr. Lawrence Haynes on yesterday to discuss it with us. Um, Christopher Walken. That scene in Pulp Fiction where he comes in to talk to a young Bruce Willis. He's talking to, now, it's not, I don't mean it's the actor Bruce Willis, but Butch, the character Bruce Willis portrays, this is Butch as a little boy. And Christopher Walken is coming back to give him the watch that it was his great-grandfather's. Um, and he does this whole monologue, Christopher Walken, that is just nothing short of brilliant. Talking about the watch... And how they were, he gave it to his great-grandfather, gave it to a gunner by the name of Wataki. Because he know at the Battle of Wake Island, your grandfather wasn't going to survive. But the watch, the watch was going to survive. He he goes on about where he hid the watch. And then the grand, grandfather came down with the dysentery, gave this guy the watch. He gave it to Walken. And he goes, now, little man, I give it to you. And, uh, and then Christopher Walken, uh, then Bruce Willis wakes up. He he remembers that and he realizes he left the watch back in the hotel room and he has to go back. And that's when he encounters um, John Travolta's character and he executes him while he as he gets off of the toilet bowl. Anybody who has not seen Pulp Fiction, uh, I highly recommend it. But it's one of those movies. Turn off your phone. Get rid of all of the distractions Sit down quietly like in the old days. And it's a long, you know, it's it's not a quick movie. And I have no problem telling you, I heard all the hype. And the first time I saw it, I didn't really understand the whole movie because it's all out of order. It is. It begins at the end of the movie and it jumps around through the whole thing. Um, and so I walked out and I, I didn't love it, but I knew I needed to see it again. I knew I wasn't smart enough to grasp what was going on. And the news yesterday, and it's all over the news today, about Bruce Willis, um, You know, it's sad because I think I, I mentioned yesterday that my four-month-old, uh, I was 53 when she was born, and I am committed to being at her 40th birthday, which will bring us to 93. And I'm sure Bruce Willis feels that, felt the same way. He has younger children. I believe he's got five altogether between Demi Moore and his current wife. And then, you know, this thing just comes and it doesn't seem like he did anything to deserve it, right? I mean, this is the type of ailment that affects football players and athletes who they're getting trauma to their head. Or as Dr. Lawrence Haynes said yesterday, someone who has a stroke. Uh, But I will tell you, and this is the God's honest truth, um, because of the story we did yesterday, um, I called my my doctor, Dr. Susan Levitt today. And I said, Doc, you know, and I told her what I told you guys. Ariana is going to be 40 in 40 years, and I want to be here for her 40th birthday. It's going to be a part. I'm saving now for that birthday. Forget about the wedding. That that fund has already started. I already started crying, thinking about walking her down the aisle. Marianne's like, are you out of your mind? She's three months old, and you're crying, thinking about walking her down the aisle? Um, but... I I made an appointment and I'm, you know, I'm going to go just go in for a checkup. I was there a year ago and I'm like, why shouldn't I go now? And she asked me an interesting question, Dr. Susan Levitt. She's like, Arthur, you know, your blood work is always very good and your cholesterol is good. Your triglycerides are good. Your heart rate is good. Your blood pressure is good. She goes, are you under a lot of stress? And I kind of just chuckled. I go, I think people would. Probably say that compared to the average human on the planet. I'm under a lot of stress So she's like, you know what? Let, let's see if uh, maybe we should do a stress test on you If there's anything that you've taken away from the almost three months that I'm on this show uh, and, and you've been listening and I'm so happy you should do the same for yourself um, the, it, Technology with medicine has advanced so much that there are so many things that 20 years ago when I was in my 30s, if you were diagnosed with, you were done. You were gone. And I'll just give you an example. Pancreatic cancer. I remember when, when our next-door neighbor, Bill, came in. I was maybe 12, 13, and he announced that his brother-in-law had pancreatic cancer and he was going to be gone in three months. Three months almost to the day our neighbor, Joe, was gone. Do you know how long Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived with pancreatic cancer? Years and years. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with getting checked out. Um, and if if... What's the worst thing can happen? You waste two hours of your time? Oh, you're healthy, go home. And if not, you then they could hopefully nip something in the bud. You know what else this bald man did today, set up an appointment for? My dermatologist. Because we hear about this these melanomas and they grow and all of a sudden they're fatal. I got a I got a solar panel on the top of my head. Yes, I wear a hat. Yes, I use lubiderm with SPF fifty in it but i want to be around and i want you guys to be around I, I love everyone i you know me i'm hugging and kissing the whole world not the way that guy hugged and kissed Will Smith when he gave him a backhand in russia but um so if there's you have some time tonight or tomorrow pick up the phone or now you can do it on on your app on your phone if you have the NYU app or the Lennox Hill app and go go get checked out because it it's worth it um, speaking of getting checked out, I just want to let you guys know I spoke to the boys over at Platinum Mitsubishi, and they just got a whole new fleet in. They were out. They sold out. Do you understand the power of radio? They sold out all of the Mitsubishis. And as of Wednesday, he either said I, seven or ten, they had down payment, uh, whatever, they were, deposits, on the the 30 new ones that were coming in. It is a super hot Car and guess what? It's great on gas. It's great on gas. I know the president of the United States says he's going to release a whole bunch of oil. Let's see how what effect that has on the price of gas. Let's see how what effect it has on the stock market. Let's see what effect it has on the people on the left of him who are saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you're hurting the environment." You know, we had uh, Lauren Fix on the other day uh, about automobiles and the state of the automobile industry and talking about electric vehicles, electric vehicles. And she brought up a great point that we need to dig dig deeper on as well. What's going to happen with these batteries? You know, batteries have a shelf life. What happens to these batteries when we're done? How do we dispose of them? Do we launch them? We give them to Elon Musk and say, hey, buddy, on your next trip up to space, can you just drop these off up there somewhere? I don't know. Will Smith, Chris Rock did his show last night. He really didn't touch on what happened with Will Smith. He just said, look, I'm he still comes out. and goes, so how was your weekend? Like only Chris Rock can. And uh, I'm trying to get him into the Friars Club. Our May 26th event honoring Tracy Morgan is going to be sold out. It's going to be filled with celebrities and people who have supported Tracy's, you know, mission to come back from a debilitating car accident to now touring uh, the country. Um There there were reports yesterday, we reported it, that Will Smith was asked to leave. Apparently now that's being walked back. There were people in the academy who wanted him to leave, and there were other people from the academy who thought it wasn't the right thing to leave. Just remember, folks, I've been saying this when I was in court arguing for my client to get the same bail as someone else when I was arguing about the masks, four-year-olds have to wear them, five-year-olds don't have to wear them, in the subway you have to wear them, but in the street you don't or in the cafeteria you don't. Just a little consistency. If it wasn't Will Smith and it was some civilian, let's say some movie star's husband. So he ragged on, I don't know, Taylor Swift, hypothetically, who was there. And her boyfriend came up and smacked Chris Rock. They would put handcuffs on him the second he walked off. But a celebrity gets celebrity treatment. But So yesterday we reported they definitely asked him to leave. Today they dialed it back. Some of them wanted him to leave. Some of them didn't. Whoopi Goldberg's on the panel. They're convening in April to figure out what they're going to do with Will Smith. Let's root for the budget process here in New York State that we get some bail reform pushed through. Let's thank David Schwartz hosting me here in Garden City. You have a great Thursday night. Enjoy dinner. Enjoy your family. Give everyone a big hug. We will see you tomorrow for a happy Friday.
4: So the
0: preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi